This morning I want to preach about the Lord is my shepherd. But I want to preach it from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 11. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, that 11th verse says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I want to talk about the Lord is my shepherd. In John chapter 10, this is Jesus using an illustration to help people to see who he really is, to help him to understand that he and the Father are one, that he is that great I am, that same I am in the Old Testament that said, tell them when they ask my name that I am that I am. He's the great I am. And now Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. Everybody in Israel in the first century knew about shepherds. So Jesus is giving this illustration to start in the physical about what they know about shepherds to take them in the spiritual to what they don't know about Jesus. And verse 6 says they still didn't understand it. They still didn't get it as Jesus is explaining this to them. And the reason that they did not get it, in, in John chapter 9, it says there was a man that was born blind. Jesus made some mud, put it on his eyes, go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man comes back. Now he's seeing. The blindness speaks of disbelief, unbelief. And Jesus gave him his sight, and the man said, now I believe that you're the Messiah. He couldn't see it till the Lord gave him his sight. And as chapter 9 closes, it closes by talking about the Pharisees, and Jesus says that y'all blind, and you're blind because you can't see who I am. You don't believe who I am. Then he opens chapter 10 by saying, I'm the shepherd, that anybody that climbs over the walls to get the sheep are thieves and robbers. I'm the shepherd. I come in through the door. He's trying to get them to see this, to perceive this, to understand this, to believe this, and they couldn't get it. In the first century, y'all, especially in the small communities, there were, were community sheep pens. So when shepherds would come in and they have a business in a town or a community, they take their sheep over to the community sheep pen. And they, everybody had their sheep in the same place. And then when their business is over, they come back to the sheep pen, walk through the door, and get their sheep out. That's why Jesus said that anybody that doesn't come through the door, they're thieves and robbers. You've got to climb over the wall because the shepherds go through that main entrance in order to get their sheep. Jesus says, I don't climb over the wall. I'm not a thief. I'm not a robber. I'm, I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. So in this explanation, he's helping them to understand that as the shepherd, I'm the one to speak. I call the sheep by their name. Look at what it says in verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. So when all these shepherds are bringing their sheep into the community sheep pen, and now the shepherd comes, these shepherds come to get their sheep out, how do the sheep know who to follow? They follow their shepherd. Their shepherd knows each of the sheep by their name. And other voices 
Those sheep don't follow. They don't follow the voice of a stranger. They only follow the voice of the shepherd that they belong to. Jesus says, he's our shepherd, and he still speaks to us, and we need to hear him when he speaks. Now, the way our shepherd speaks in the 21st century, sometimes Jesus speaks to us through the Scripture, through the Word of God. If you want to know what Jesus is saying, open your Bible and read it. This is the Word of God. This is how he speaks to us. And then he speaks to us through other people. That's why he gave people the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom. And uh, there were apostles and, and prophets and pastors and preachers and teachers and family members and friends. He can speak to us through other people. Sometimes our shepherd, when he speaks, he speaks to us through situations and circumstances. The reason I ended up back in Indiana, because every door in Texas got closed. I wanted to stay there, but my shepherd was saying something else. And he spoke to me by closing doors there through situations and circumstances to redirect me back to Indiana. Somebody, a door recently got closed in your face. You mad at God. No, you need to hear what he's saying. I got something better for you if you'll listen to when your shepherd speaks. And sometimes he speaks to us um, through the power of his Holy Spirit, that, that, that your spirit will bear witness with somebody else's spirit that this is of God. Have you ever had somebody say to you, well, God gave me a word for you, and then they begin to speak it and it made no sense to you? Y'all ain't helping me preach this. Because if this is of the Lord, then my spirit ought to bear witness with your spirit that this is the Lord speaking to me. Because sometimes he speaks through the power of his Holy Spirit. Sometimes he speaks through situations and circumstances, through other people, through his word. And, and we got to be open when the spirit, when Jesus is, he's our shepherd. And he speaks and he calls each of us by name. And we ought to have enough sense not to follow some stranger. The first time I noticed this in the NFL was back in 2001. Kip Vickers was a member of our church and he played for the Ravens. And uh, that's the year they went to the Super Bowl and Tony Banks was the quarterback. So we went to some of the games. Kip would invite us down and Lady Sharon and I would go. And the crowds would be so loud. The Ravens were so good that their home team was so loud that Tony Banks used to put his, his hands over his ears or on the helmet. I didn't even know. Everybody, all the quarterbacks do it now. I didn't even notice that. Sharon said, why does after every play, the quarterback keeps putting his hands on his helmet over his ears? And I knew what was going on. That's because the offensive coordinator sits real high above the field to get a panoramic view of the field to see what's happening. And then he calls in the play to his quarterback, but he does it through a receiver in the quarterback's helmet. But it was so much noise that was going on that the quarterback couldn't hear. So he tried to shut out the noise so that he could hear the voice on the inside. Here's what I'm trying to tell you and I, that Jesus, he still speaks even in the 21st century. But our issue is there's so much of the noise and people saying so many other things that we can't hear our shepherd. And every now and then, you got to shut the world out to hear the voice of God's Holy Spirit, Jesus, our shepherd, that is speaking to us as the shepherd. Y'all, he speaks. As the shepherd, he supplies. Watch how he supplies in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastor. He says, I'm the shepherd. He said, just like the shepherds that you all in the first century in Israel would know that 
not in the community sheep pen, but out in the wilderness, out in the desert, when, when the shepherds can't get to a community and they got to take care of the sheep. Well, they're getting ready to go to sleep. So what they'll do is they'll go get um, stones or branches and make a sheep pen out in the desert. And there would be an entrance there. And when they would make that sheep pen out in the desert and there's that entrance, then the sheep would enter in through that entrance and then the shepherd himself would lay in the entrance and the shepherd becomes the door. They understood that in the first century. Jesus said, I'm the door. And he's trying to get that across to us in the 21st century, that as the Lord is our shepherd, he's the door. He said, I'm the access in and out. I'm the opportunity in and out of this. I'm the one that provides. He says, it, it, he says in, in verse 9, if you're going to get to the pasture, it's going to be through me because I'm the door. Y'all, everything that a sheep needs is in the pasture. And we got to have enough sense to follow where the shepherd leads and to eat what the shepherd feeds, but he's the one that's the door. And I believe that so many of us are missing out on opportunities because we're looking for an opportunity from somebody else that Jesus wants to provide. And we're trusting somebody else to open the door. And Jesus says, no, I'm the door. And Jesus wants us to depend on him more than anybody else. And when you trust him, he says, I'm going to give you access in and out. I'm going to be your opportunity. I'm going to be that door. And I'm going to get you to whatever you need in life, he says, because I'm the shepherd. I speak to you. I'm the shepherd. I supply. And he says, as the shepherd, he sacrifices for us. Verse 11, again, we've already read it. Let me read it again. I'm the good shepherd, Jesus says, and who gives his life for the sheep. When you keep reading, he says, now hired servants, when wolves come and predators show up and wild animals show up to attack the sheep, hired servants take off running, but not the shepherd because the sheep belong to the shepherd, and the shepherd loves the sheep, and the shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Y'all, the shepherd loves the sheep so much that he will give his life for the sheep. It's the shepherd that demonstrates his love for the sheep that he owns, that he will sacrifice in order that the sheep may have life. I'm trying to show y'all something. This is, this is Jesus Christ helping us to understand how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, that, that there's nothing that you've done, there's no place that you've been, there's nothing that you have smoked or drank, there's no sin you've committed, that there's no felony that you've uh, committed in your life that makes Jesus stop loving you. He's the shepherd. You belong, matter of fact, those of us who are Christians, we belong to Jesus twice. We belong to him in creation because all things were made by him, and without him, there was not anything that was. It is he that have made us and not we ourselves. So we belong to him in creation. Then we belong to him in redemption because when we sinned, it should have been us to die, but he went out on a hill called Calvary and shed his blood, and Paul said he bought us with a price of shedding his blood. And it is the sacrifice that he made. Anybody in here right now, and you're not a Christian, it's a trick of the enemy to make you think you can do something to be saved. 
that there's some act you can commit, that there's something you can do, there's some mountain you can climb, that there's some valley you can make your way through, that, y'all, there is nothing you can do to be saved but accept God's plan for salvation, which is Jesus dying on the cross, and he's trying to tell you, I'm the shepherd. That's why I laid my life down for you. That's what it says in, uh, in verse 17 and 18. He says, uh, it, uh, he says, I laid my life. In verse 13, he starts talking about how the hirelings run off and those hired servants will leave. He says, but not, not the good shepherd. He lays his life down. And if he lays his life down, he'll pick it up again. Y'all, theologically speaking, there are a lot of theologians who argue about um, how Jesus died. Who's responsible for the death of Jesus? That's still a theological argument. All these years later, who's responsible for Jesus' death? So some people say it was Judas because he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. He's the one in the Garden of Gethsemane that pointed Jesus out to the soldiers. They didn't even know which of the 12 or the, Jesus making 13, which one was the Messiah. So Judas sold him out for 12 pieces of silver, said, the one I kiss, that's who he is. So he kissed Jesus, and Jesus said, betrayest thou me with a kiss? Whatever else that teaches us, helps us understand, everybody kissing on you ain't looking out for you. Y'all do know people that kiss on you with an ulterior motive. And so some suggest it's Judas who's responsible for the death of Jesus. Others suggest, no, it's not Judas, but it is Pilate. Because Pilate was that government official who was the judge of Jesus. That, that he goes before Jesus and, and he tells the people, he said, listen, I find no fault in this man. This man has done nothing wrong. And then he still crucified him. So some say it's Pilate who's responsible for the death of Jesus. Others say it, it was Caiaphas, the high priest, and the Pharisees who were responsible for the death of Jesus. Because they're the one that set all that up and brought in all those lies and all that kind of stuff. So they say he's, they're the ones responsible for his death. And others say it's the Roman soldiers because they're the ones that nailed Jesus' hands to the cross and spiked his feet to the cross and raised the cross. So they said it's the Roman soldiers who are responsible. Jesus said, I'm going to put all that to rest. I'm going to let you all know who was responsible for my death. Jesus said, no one took my life. I laid my life down. And if I lay my life down, I'll pick it up again. Man, had y'all said amen, I could have stopped, I could have moved on to the next thing. Y'all, when Pilate was judging Jesus, Jesus wouldn't say anything to Pilate. Isaiah said he was like a sheep before the slaughter. He didn't say anything. And it was frustrating Pilate. So Pilate said to Jesus, don't you know I got the power to free you? Or I got the power to kill you? And Jesus said, now I wasn't going to say anything, but you done pushed me. I got to help you understand what's going on. Jesus told him, you have no power unless my Father from heaven gives it to you. Jesus said, I could call down a host of angels right now and shut all this down. He told him, no man takes my life. I lay my life down. And he said, when I lay it down, I pick it up again. Y'all, the laying down of his life is crucifixion. The picking it up again is resurrection. When you question whether or not does God love me, y'all, look at Calvary. Calvary is proof that God loves you. Do I have a witness in here? God demonstrated his love towards us that Christ died while we were still sinners. It proved Calvary is proof that he loves you. Now, when you question the power of God, you don't just need to look at the crucifixion 
Look at the resurrection. We say Jesus got up. The Bible said God raised Jesus from the dead. Y'all, it is the power and the love of God that makes salvation available to us. Jesus said that I am the shepherd. As the shepherd, I'm still speaking to you. As the shepherd, I supply your needs. I'm the one to get you in and out. I give you access. I'm the door. I get you to the pasture. Everything you need is in the pasture. As the good shepherd, I'm the one that sacrificed my life. Other folk have run out on you because they don't love you the way I love you. And I laid my life down for you, and I picked it up again. Let me give you one more. Jesus says, since I'm the shepherd, as the shepherd, I'm the one that secures you. Let me read verse 28. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Y'all, Jesus says, as the shepherd, not only am I supplying all your needs, not only by sacrifice for you, but I secured you. I protect you. Y'all, shepherds protect their sheep. They watched over their sheep. And Jesus says, I'm the one that has provided your eternal... Y'all, here's what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans. He says that that since God has given you his best in Jesus, then he will not withhold any good thing from you. Some of us are so concerned if I'm going to make it, am I going to get through this? You don't get it. Jesus died on the cross for you. And he says that the Father has put you in my hand. And if God gives you his best in Jesus, you don't think he'll help you pay your rent? You don't think he'll help you pay your mortgage? You don't think he'll heal your body? You don't think he'll get you through college? You don't think he'll help you start a... Do I have a witness in here? He's given you his best in Jesus. There's nothing he'll withhold from you. You're in Jesus' hand. And he says, and now you're in the Father's hand. I have you secured. You don't have to worry about anything. I'm the one protecting you because I am the good shepherd. Now, I know why some of y'all haven't said amen. I've been up here for 20 minutes. You've yet to say amen because... I already told y'all this year we were going to talk about metaphors for the church to help us to understand what the church is all about. So I already talked about that as the church, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, you're a city set on a hill. So we're looking at the metaphors of the church. Then I come in here today giving a metaphor of the shepherd, who Jesus is, that Jesus is a good shepherd. And you're wondering, why haven't you said anything about the metaphor for the church? That's why I love preaching to y'all, because y'all are so smart and intelligent. Y'all pay attention when I'm up here, and I really love that about y'all. So here's what all of that meant. Jesus is saying, since he's the shepherd, that makes you and I the sheep. And since you and I are the sheep, we are in a fold, a sheep fold, he says in verse 16. He talks about a flock. So as the church... We're not just individual sheep doing our own thing. We are sheepfold. We're a flock of sheep. Too many of us want to claim Jesus as our shepherd, but then deny the other sheep in the fold. Y'all, if Jesus is your shepherd, then you are part of somebody's flock. Y'all got to get this. So in order to understand the church, you got to know the Lord is your shepherd. Once he becomes your shepherd, you become his sheep. 
And you're not a sheep out there on your own, but you're a sheep that is a part of a fold, that's a part of a flock. It, it's, so, it's not just individual, it's social. It's us coming together. Matter of fact, the, one, of the, one of the ways to show a person is lost is their disconnect from the other sheep. Okay, y'all didn't say amen. Because people got this theology out here, well, you, you don't have to be a part of nobody's church to be a Christian, okay? Let me, I want you to explain this to me in Luke 15. In Luke 15, it's stories of lost and found. There's a son that was lost, found by his father. A coin that was lost, found by the woman. Then there was a shepherd, had a hundred sheep. One got lost. How do we know the one was lost? Because he wasn't with the other 99. Y'all, that's proof that you're lost. It is your disconnect, not just from the shepherd, but your disconnect from the flock, the other sheep. That, that's how we know he was lost. Now, I believe that that sheep that got lost didn't get lost intentionally. I don't think they had any design to get lost. I don't think the sheep woke up one day and said, I don't want to have anything to do with the shepherd, and I don't care about the sheep. I think that sheep was out trying to satisfy his needs, out trying to, to make sure he could get what he wanted and took his eye off the shepherd. So he's out trying to satisfy his needs without the shepherd. Y'all, sheep need to follow where the shepherd leads and eats what the shepherd feeds. But this sheep is nibbling and walking and walking and nibbling without his eye on the shepherd. And the shepherd made a move with the other sheep in the flock, but you're so busy not looking at the shepherd found out not now when you look up, I'm no longer with the shepherd and I'm no longer with the sheep. You're trying to claim, I know I'm with the shepherd. I don't have to be with the other sheep. No, if you're with the shepherd, the 99 are with him. So if you're not with the 99, you're not with the shepherd. That's a sign of being lost. But the good news is that Jesus said, I'll leave the 99, go after the one and bring the one back to the flock. You need to be a, that's what the church is. It's social, it's a flock, it's a fold and understanding that. And since he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. You got to start listening to your shepherd. You listen to too many other people, too many other voices. You got to recognize that when you put your faith in Jesus and you believe Jesus died on the cross and got raised from the dead, you became a Christian. The first thing Jesus did was put his Holy Spirit in you. Don't you know that your body is the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? That's the first thing he did. So that now when Jesus is speaking, <laughs> that you're able to understand it's his voice. Like now in the 21st century, got all this technology. We used to use remote controls to change channels. You don't need a remote control anymore because of technology. You just speak it. Alexa, put on Kurt Franklin. Alexa, put on the temptation. Alexa. And, and I noticed when people are using this Alexa to make all these changes and do all this stuff, Anybody can just come in your house and start bossing your speaker around and bossing your technology around. I'm like, what's something ain't right with this? So now they've upgraded it that you can have voice recognition, that you can program it only to the voice of the owner. So no matter who else comes in and speaks to it, it will not respond. It won't make any move unless the owner speaks to it because it has voice recognition. That's what Jesus did for you and I when we got saved. He put his Holy Spirit in us to give us voice recognition. Stop listening to all these other voices. And then to understand he sacrificed his life for you. He went out on a hill called Calvary 
and nailed your sins to the cross. Some of us running around still feeling guilty about some sin or some mistake. You've been feeling guilty 20 years about something you did, 20 years ago. And the book of Hebrews said, God will remember your sin no more. Now, why are you still remembering if God forgot about it? You, don't, you have yet to understand the sacrifice that Christ made. He is the shepherd. He laid his life down for us, that that's what he's done. He, and we got to receive that in our life and to understand that he supplies every need you have. Stop tripping, wondering if I'm going to make it. Am I going to get through this? You got through the last thing, didn't you? Remember the, the last time you thought you wasn't going to get through something and Jesus got you through it? No, remember the time before that time. You, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And the Lord brought you through that. No, remember the time before that time. That time you said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. And the Lord brought you through. Y'all, you can always tell what somebody's going to do based on what they've already done. He already brought you from the past to the present. How many of you know God will take you to where you need to? I don't believe he brought us this far to leave us alone. He supplies every need. My God shall supply all your needs, your, your spiritual needs, your psychological needs, your emotional needs, your financial needs, your relational needs, your educational needs. There is nothing that God will not do. My God shall supply all of your, matter of fact, he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, or imagine when you understand since he's the shepherd, we must be the sheep. And he supplies those needs. And remember, I told you, everything that sheep need are in the pasture. That's why the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. Because sometimes as sheep, we so stupid, we don't know how to lie down on our own. And so when you don't know how to lie down on your own, Jesus said, I love you too much to let you lose your mind. So I'm going to make you Okay, y'all ain't saying amen, but I guarantee you somebody's going through that right now. All what you're going through right now is nothing but Jesus making you to lie down in green pasture. Do I have a witness in here? I'm just trying to show you if you're going to understand what the church is all about is in light of who Jesus is, that he is the good shepherd. And since he's the shepherd, you and I are the sheep. And I just want to close it with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green paths. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because the Lord is with me. His rod and staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my haters that don't want me to have anything. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy are stalking me all the days of Is there anybody here that know the Lord is your shepherd? Come on, stand with me.